you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. It's in that spirit we want you to know that we are committed to making disciples in Micronesia and beyond. We're committed to making disciples in every nation. This was God's plan from the beginning. His plan is revealed from Genesis to Revelation. And today we're going to review this plan from a familiar passage of Scripture. It's in Acts chapter 1. I'll be reading verse 8, which says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Acts 1.8 is the central verse to this series. It's also the central verse to the book of Acts. And this passage provides the source of the church, which is the Holy Spirit. This passage provides the purpose of the church, which is to be his witnesses. And this passage provides the mission field of the church, which is the whole world. In other words, Jesus is saying the church is to fulfill its mission in the context of the entire world. We are to plant churches, impact society, and reach the next generation in every nation. The book of Acts makes it clear from day one. It makes it clear from day one that God's purpose, God's design, God's intent for the church is to make disciples in every nation. And God made sure that the church was founded on that truth, that we are to take the gospel not just to our island, And not just to Micronesia, but to every nation. In fact, the rest of the book of Acts is the story of how the gospel crossed cultures, it crossed languages, it crossed geographic boundaries from Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. In week one, we learned that the church was birthed when Peter preached to a multitude in Jerusalem and 3,000 people were baptized on that day. Now, who were these 3,000 people? Who exactly was Peter's audience? In Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 5, it says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Verse 8. And they said to themselves, How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Verse 9. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them all telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Wow, that's an amazing list. From the very beginning, from the very beginning of the church, God laid down the foundation that our purpose is to make disciples of all nations and that the salvation message is for all peoples. That was when the church was born at the very beginning. God's ultimate purpose is to make disciples of all nations. The whole Bible The whole Bible is the story of God redeeming every nation. God will accomplish this through the church. That's you and I. It's an adventure to be a part of what God is doing in the nations. Uh, And we've been doing that. Um, How many of you, just by a show of hands, 
uh, went on the missions trips either to Myanmar or Ponape. Raise your hand. Just kind of look around. There's a number of people here that God has been putting it on their heart to go and to be a part of what God is doing in places other than our island. It's exciting to be a part of what God is doing. But have you ever wished that uh, Jesus would just come back already? (laughs) And that we could all go home? (laughs) I mean, wouldn't that be nice? You know, Anita earlier, she kind of alluded to a story about delay. Uh, One one time her and and, uh, Greg were in an airport, and uh, their flight was delayed. 24 hours. And how many of you know when you're traveling and you're in a situation like that, that, that's bad news. You know, but they were just practicing the sovereignty of God and being patient in the Spirit and realizing, God, what are you doing here? And as a result of that delay, they had a chance to interact with the manager at the ticket counter and ended up sharing their testimony of what God had been doing recently. That person said, you know what? I want some of that. And they were able to share the gospel with that person and pray the salvation prayer. And the manager behind the ticket counter became a Christian because of a delay. I share that story with you because that story is an example of what's happening globally. You know, sometimes we say, Lord, just come back already. Why the delay? The reason for the delay is because God is not wanting anyone to perish. And he's giving time for people to come to him. The Lord says a day is like a thousand years, and from his perspective, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. And he is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Amen? And so, you know, sometimes we, 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 we look at world history and we're wondering, when is the end going to come? You know, Nita mentioned that earlier. And oftentimes we read things in the Bible and we're trying to put pieces of the puzzle together, but it's not real clear. And, you know, Jesus said, we're not going to really know the time. It's not for you to know the times and the dates that the Father has set by his own authority. But we know that there are certain things that will happen. And so we read things like um, the recent one that's been real popular. How many of you heard about the blood moons in the news? And so the reason that became popular is because there's a reference to blood moons in the Bible that the moon will turn blood red before the end of time. The difficulty with looking at signs like that is there have been many blood moons all throughout history. There was four just in the last 12 months. That's why they got such big attention. And I don't doubt there's probably some significance to that. But the hard thing is this. How do you know if it's the last one? It also says there's going to be earthquakes. And there's going to be wars. And there's going to be rumors of wars. And there's going to be famines. And how many of you know that's happened all throughout history? So how do you know if it's the last one? Well, the answer is we don't. But there is one sign that is different from all the rest that has never happened before and it will never happen again and it will happen at the end of human history. When God consummates all of what he's doing, God is building a kingdom for himself out of the kingdom of man. There is one sign that's going to usher that in. Jesus said the end will not come until this gospel has gone to all the world. He said go and make disciples of all nations. And until that task is completed, the job's not done. And so it's very important that we look at the history of the world 
in terms of evangelism and discipleship. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. So what does that mean? What does it mean when we say there are some unreached people groups? Is it enough that we get a shortwave radio and just cast it all over the continent of Asia and say it's done? Is that a reached people group? Is it enough that we went to a country and we led somebody to the Lord? Is that a reached people group now? Ralph Winter from the U.S. Center for World Missions, he came up with what I think is probably the most substantial understanding of what it means to reach a people group. In the Bible, when it says, go and make disciples of all nations, that word nations is referring to people groups. People that have a unique culture and language. And Ralph Neighbor, he's been mapping the world in terms of evangelism and discipleship for decades. And he's come to the, I think, a very healthy understanding of what it would look like to actually reach a people group. It's not enough to do a hit and run. (laughs) He says, when you go into a country and you make disciples, and the indigenous people in that area grow and mature in their faith, and they begin reaching their own people, and they begin making disciples, and they begin multiplying themselves then you can say that that people group is reached. And so it's important to look at the world in terms of missionary history and how many people groups have we reached and how close are we to accomplishing the task. So with that said, I'd like to go to this next slide. It's the 1040 window. Maybe some of you have heard of it. 1040 refers to degrees latitude. It's a segment on the globe between 10 degrees latitude and 40 degrees latitude. And it refers to that place there in northern Africa and Asia that you see that's kind of grayed out. And I put a little red star there to represent guess guess who? Yes. We're strategically located to be near where the action is. Amen? And very privileged. In this location, being a U.S. territory, most of the people here have a U.S. passport. You can go almost anywhere in the world. Not every country has that privilege. And so it's very, I think, very significant that God wants to raise up leaders here on Guam to be a part of what he wants to do because you have availability and access to many places that not everybody does. Amen? In this window, the reason it's called the 1040 window, is this window represents the majority of unreached people groups on the earth. We can go to the next slide. These are places where they've never heard of Jesus, they've never seen a Bible, and there's no local church, and it runs all the way from West Africa to East Asia. It's home to Islam, Hinduism, and Buddhism. It contains the top 50 least evangelized megacities In all the 1040 window, it's a total of 68 nations. Every nation, our church family, is in 34 of those nations. Let's go to the next slide. That window also includes the 10 most restricted nations in the world, restricted in terms of Christian missionaries. There are North Korea, Somalia, Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan, Sudan, Iran, Pakistan, Eritrea, Nigeria. Of those top ten that are most restricted, every nation is in five of those nations. Like I said, we're serious about reaching every nation. And our church family has come up with what is called the 2020 Initiative. 
And it's a plan every year to plant three churches in three different countries. We can go to the next slide. And so I'm not going to read all of those. Maybe too difficult to see some of them. But in 2015, the goal was Armenia, Fiji, and Papua New Guinea. How many of you know or remember Pastor Jonathan Bacobo? He was here with the last 10-day team. He spoke in our church. He'd been texting me in recent months. They recently planted churches in Fiji and Papua New Guinea. I'm planning on every year to plant three more churches in three more countries in this 1040 window. How many of you know that's doable? That's doable. I want to show you another snapshot closer to home. We can go to the next one. This is a snapshot of Asia. I'm not going to read all of these. We'll just look at the bottom left corner, Oceania. There are six areas there with every nation churches, Australia, Fiji, Guam, Papua New Guinea, New Zealand, and Saipan. And there are many others. In Central Asia, there's five. In Asia, there's 25 churches. In the Middle East, there are eight. And a total of 44 nations in Asia. And so God is doing an amazing thing, and he's invited us to come and join him and be a part of that. And I want to remind us to keep our focus on Jesus. I don't want us to get distracted with accomplishment. I don't want us to get distracted with what we're doing. That's not what it's about. Jesus is the one who is at work. He does the heavy lifting. He only invites us to participate and be a part of what he's doing in the world. Amen? And here's the amazing thing that I really want to share. I think this is the heart of today's message. It's one thing to put up all these charts and maps and lists and see everything that God is doing. But I think more important than all of that, the most important thing is to understand the heart behind it. To understand the spirit of what's going on in all this that we're mapping out. And I'm just going to share from my heart. You know, it's an amazing thing that God has given us the gift of life. It's an amazing thing that he expresses his grace and his mercy, and he accomplished all of that through the cross. And he's invited us into a relationship with him where we are forgiven. Completely. 100% and free from any guilt or condemnation of anything in the past, the present, or even the future. Because he's forgiven it all. When he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. And you know, when you really grab a hold of the reality of that, when you really get a hold of that in your heart, there's a place of rest. There's a place of peace. You no longer have to keep striving to perform, to be accepted, or to be approved, or to measure up, or to have a reputation. God has already said, you are approved. You are already accepted. You are already loved. You are already complete in Christ. And you have peace with God through Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father dwelling within you when you receive Christ by faith. That's just an amazing... You could just camp on that by itself and just meditate on that and go, wow, wow.
Oftentimes, our view of the Bible story kind of goes like this. In Genesis, God created Adam and Eve, and then they messed up. And so then, Jesus had to come in and fix it. But I want you to know, Jesus is not plan B. Jesus is not a half-time adjustment. Before we ever existed, before anything ever existed, Father, Son, and Spirit, together in perfect love and unity, thought about you, thought about all of us, and they said, we want to include them in this relationship that we have, in this perfect unity and union where you still have your own identity, you're not absorbed into, beliv- into oblivion and become a part of the universal mass. You know, you still have your personhood, but you're invited to join them in this relationship. They thought about that beforehand. They even knew what would happen in the Garden of Eden and already had a plan to be able to bring us into that relationship. That's God's love, his unfailing love. And so you were in God's heart and in God's mind from the beginning. You have been included in his desire and his heart for you from the beginning. You know, Jesus said, took a long time for me to get this statement, but he said, call nobody father because you only have one father who is in heaven. God may have used our parents as mechanisms to bring us biologically into existence, but God is the one who created you and formed and fashioned you all the way down to the subatomic level and even further if there's more. He created you. He is your creator. He's your father. And he had you in mind and in his heart from the very, very beginning. Friends, that's the heart behind all these lists and maps that are up front. When you have that relationship with God and you have that peace and you know his love and his forgiveness, I tell you what, I can't go to Kmart anymore and look at the sadness on people's faces and the hopelessness and watch at a restaurant the couple who's silently divorced knowing that I have this amazing gift. I don't want to be quiet anymore about my faith. I don't want us to be quiet anymore and keep our faith within these four walls. We need to take that out there and share it with everybody, whether it's on Guam or in Micronesia or beyond. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this amazing gift of life. Father, thank you that you made it even more amazing when you made it eternal. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. They're going to play a song at the very end. But I want you to stay in a place of prayer right now. And I want you to just go to the Lord in your heart and say, God, what are you saying to me? Lord, what are you saying to me? God may be inviting you to to pray. He may say, pray for, for Andy in the campus or pray for a church plant in Ponape or Palau. Or he might put another people group on your heart. I don't know. But just ask, Lord, what are you saying to me? 
God may want you to give. He may want you to support others who are going. Lord, what are you saying to me? Or God may even be inviting you to actually go. To get your Bible and to get a passport and to hear from God and to actually go. Lord, what are you saying to me? I want to take some time just to be quiet and let you listen. And we're going to pray together in a moment. Father God, thank you that you're not just here. You're inside of us, loving us, encouraging, teaching, sometimes disciplining, but even then it's out of love so that we can be more like you. Thank you, God, for your great love. God, it's amazing that you're inviting us to be a part of what you want to do in the world. Lord, would you speak to our hearts and clarify, what is my role? Lord, what do you want me to do? How can I help? And whatever that is, I want to give you a moment just to do business with God. If you're ready to make a decision and respond to him, go ahead and do that. If you need more time to process, God's patient. He waits. But I want to give you a moment just to respond to God if you're ready. If you would just stay in an attitude of prayer, there may be others here this morning. You've heard me talk about this amazing and beautiful relationship with God. And you're saying, you know what? I want that. And if you've never made a formal conscious choice, if you've never made a decision to say, yes, God, I open myself up to you and I want you in my life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. It's real simple. Most importantly, it's just about your choice. Jesus is there knocking at the door. It's as if he's saying, what do you want? And if you choose him and you open the door, he will come in. And if that sounds like something you would like to experience, we're going to pray in a moment along those lines. But before we pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And for that, I have a little signal, which is if you would simply look up when my eyes meet yours, then I know that we're going to pray together. And so if that sounds like you, go ahead and look up at this time. And then we're going to pray in a moment. Yes, I see you. Anybody else? Don't want to miss anybody. Anybody else? Okay, I see you. Anybody else? Yes? Okay, let's pray. Yes. Father God, 
I'm here now. I come before you. Lord, I believe in you. I believe you've been trying to get my attention and I'm, I'm turning to you now in my heart. And I'm opening up to you my mind, my innermost being. And I'm inviting you to come and be in my life that I could experience you. And Father, I ask that you would forgive me for the ways that I've done things that are dishonoring to you, to other people, to myself. And I thank you for Jesus and ask you to forgive me for all of it. I receive your forgiveness in my heart now. And I receive your Holy Spirit. And I ask that you would change me from the inside out and make me the person you want me to be. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to do something. If you would um, get a booklet we have called One to One. They can be gotten over here at this welcome table in the corner. Or you can download the app for free on the internet. And uh, I'd like you to take that. Uh, It's a little booklet that talks about your relationship with God and how you can grow in that relationship. And I want to invite you not to do that by yourself but with somebody, another person that you trust, a friend, so that you can learn together and that you can grow together. Sound good? Amen.